Are you concerned that your child obeys out of fear of consequences rather than a desire to please God? Do you question your parenting methods and wonder if they're doing more harm than good? Do you have an infant who's throwing tantrums and you aren't sure what to make of that or what you can do about it? Well, then we're so glad you're joining us for today's Q&A episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. If you feel led to partner with us, just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. And we want to give a huge thank you to Brittany in Oregon and Allie in Kansas for your support of this show. Allie said this, I'm so grateful for the parenting support I've gleaned from these podcasts and how you constantly point me to Jesus above all else. Well, Allie, we are humbled and grateful for you and for all of our listeners and how you all keep us focused on our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Long before my husband and I had kids of our own, I knew I wanted to be a homeschooling mom. But when my oldest was ready to start kindergarten, I had just had our third child, who we affectionately referred to as the baby monster. Homeschooling didn't seem possible with a kindergartner, a toddler, and a baby monster. I was so thankful that a friend introduced me to BJU Press. Their all-in-one curriculum resources gave me the confidence to homeschool at a time when it didn't seem possible. Their video lessons that, by the way, are engaging and taught by experienced teachers, those videos were a time and a sanity saver for me. Best of all, their K-5 through grade 12 all-in-one curriculum options are rooted in a solid biblical worldview. To learn more about BJU Press, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and see what they have to offer. You'll find their parent-led resources as well as independent learning materials at BJUPressHomeschool.com. And tell them the baby monster sent you. Well, hey there, Ginger. It's time for another Q&A episode. And I always love these because it gives our listeners a chance to get some help and encouragement in areas of their life and parenting that can just seem overwhelming or confusing. And that is why we're here, right, Ginger? That's right, Katie. Our primary purpose for this podcast is to encourage and equip parents to reach beyond outward behavior, address the issues of the heart, and point their children to the transformational power of Christ. And from a practical standpoint, which is where our Q&A episodes come in, we are super passionate about helping you, our listeners, learn how to move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle the specific issues your children are struggling with and into a confident and biblical and well-balanced approach to raising your kids. So thank you for your questions, and please keep them coming. Well, our first question is from Cammie in Colorado, and here's what she says. Hi, Ginger. I don't even know if you will have time to answer me, but I just wanted to say I loved your book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, and just ordered, I can't believe you just said that. I have a concern. My husband and I have just implemented an if-then chart from the ministry doorposts. Our purpose in having a chart was for my husband and I to be on the same page for disciplining our six- and four-year-old children. It has scripture that refers to the offense as well as an empty space for us to put in our own consequences according to the offense. We have just started using it and I feel like my six-year-old daughter might want to behave out of fear of the consequences. 
Three of the consequences are swatting, two or three times depending, for lying, rebellion, and willful disobedience. The others are lesser consequences depending on what it is. Our desire is to reach their hearts and not have it be fear-based. Are we going about this wrong? We are only on day three of it, and I feel like the behavior has changed for the better. But I don't want it to be based on fear of what is to come. We do believe in grace by warning them of the consequences to come, especially for spanking. What are your thoughts? The if-then chart can be helpful as long as you're also reaching their hearts and training them in righteousness and pointing them to Jesus for help. I haven't seen the if-then chart in many years, but from what I remember, and Cami, based on how you just described it, it's a list of wrong behaviors that kids struggle with, like lying and whining and arguing and disrespecting and things like that. And it offers a Bible verse for each one that explains why those behaviors are displeasing to the Lord. And then it has a place, as you mentioned, Cami, for the parent to write in what the consequence will be for each of those behaviors. It's important that our kids are able to identify specific sins and understand what God's Word says about them, and there's nothing wrong with having set consequences for different behaviors. There's also nothing wrong with kids knowing what those consequences will be ahead of time. Knowing what to expect can be beneficial for both the parent and the child. But Cammie, I picked up on and very much appreciate your concern that your daughter might be behaving out of fear of consequences. Uh, You're a discerning, wise mama to question that. I also loved what you wrote. Our desire is to reach their hearts and not have it be fear-based. And to that I say, amen, sister, because that's a biblical desire. When it comes to training, instructing, disciplining, consequences, grace, and even fear, as long as it's a healthy fear of God, God's Word says there's a place for them all. They all work together in a beautiful way when they're working together as God intends. And Ginger, I think that's where we tend to get it so wrong in our parenting. We think or behave as though discipline is nothing more than punishment. And so we often avoid it altogether or we don't go beyond mere consequences. And I think, I think that's because the word discipline has been taken out of context and sometimes stripped of any biblical meaning. I suspect that pop psychology and this obsession with our kids' self-esteem has something to do with it. And one reason I feel that way is simply based on some of the comments and questions we have received on this very topic. Mm -hmm. People don't like the word discipline, and it often evokes some adverse reactions in parents who maybe they've had some negative experiences of their own. But as you said, Ginger, discipline is so much more than a negative consequence for a negative behavior. It has to be, or else it isn't biblical. So let's explore all of it for a few minutes. Tell us how we can have a more biblical and holistic approach to discipline, no matter what tools we decide to use. The if-then chart can be effective for teaching kids what behavior they should put off in accordance with Scripture and what the consequences will be if they don't, which is all well and good, as long as they are also, A, teaching them what to put on. In other words, uh, training them to walk in the righteousness of Christ and, of course, pointing them to their need for Jesus to help them do that, and B, being consistent with following through with the consequences we've set forth. And here's why. If all we're doing is teaching them what not to do, and we aren't taking it a step further in teaching them what to do, we're going to exasperate them. God tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that when we are tempted, He always provides us with a way out. When we correct and discipline our kids for wrong behavior, but aren't teaching them right behavior, that means we aren't providing them with that way out. All we're doing is teaching 
teaching them what displeases God and how to avoid consequences. Now, sure, our kids need to avoid the sinful behaviors that don't glorify God, but they also need to embrace the righteousness they have in Christ that does glorify God. When God's children intentionally empty themselves of themselves, meaning they put off the sinful desires of the flesh and are seeking to be filled with Jesus, meaning they put on the righteousness of Christ, that's when God is glorified. Mm. Dying to ourselves and being made alive in Jesus is our spiritual act of worship. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, so Ginger, you said the if-then chart can be helpful as long as we are also teaching them what to put on and turning to Jesus for help and then being consistent with following through with the consequences we have set forward. That's right. If we're going to be so bold as to write out what the consequences for each of those behaviors are, then we need to be willing to follow through with those consequences. Otherwise, our words are nothing more than empty threats that negate our authority. In Matthew 5.37, we're told that our yes should mean yes and our no should mean no. When our words are just empty threats, our authority means nothing to our children. And wishy-washy authority leads to kids who have no respect for authority. Not doing what we say we're going to do when it comes to consequences is ineffective child training that can cause confusion and even anxiety in our kids. When they go about their days not knowing what to expect, uh, they can also become insecure because let's face it, there's a great sense of security that comes from knowing what to expect. I personally love to know what to expect, what's coming next. (laughs) But as you mentioned, Cammie, our goal is not just to get our children to obey out of fear of consequences. Consequences have their place, and it's important that we're consistent in implementing them, but they are not a substitute for training and instructing our children as God has called us to do. Mm. All that to say, the if-then chart can be helpful for our kids to know what God's Word says about sins that displease Him and what consequences to expect when they choose to disobey. And it can also be great accountability uh, as far as a tool for parents as long as we're being consistent. But those things are only beneficial if we're also teaching them to turn to Jesus for help for replacing wrong behavior with right behavior. So we have to follow through, take it a step further um, than just here's what happens if you misbehave. Our goal as parents is not just to teach our children what not to do in order to avoid consequences, but to train and equip and encourage them to seek Jesus and to honor Him with their lives. Ginger, that's what I love about your wise words for mom's chart. It's not just about consequences. So for all of those behaviors kids struggle with, you have suggested questions to help the child understand the heart issue behind the outward behavior. And then you give verses for teaching them what to put off, as well as, like you said, what to put on. And I have found that chart to just be a really well-rounded approach to training my children. Cami, thank you so much uh, for sending that question. All right, our next question came in from a young mom who wishes to remain anonymous, and she writes this. My seven-month-old is arching her back and screaming when she reaches for something and I don't let her have it. She also does this when I'm changing her diaper or putting her in her swing. Can seven-month-olds have tantrums? (laughs) 
Well, (laughs) apparently so, because that's what you're witnessing. Remember, sin is not learned, it's inherited. Like us, our children are born with a sin nature, which means it's something they can express a lot younger than we might like to believe. Psalm 51.5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We shouldn't be surprised when our little ones sin. It would actually be unnatural if they didn't, because like us, they are sinners. Sinners going to sin. Katie, t-shirt idea. Write it down. (laughs) I'm on it. But, you know, Ginger, it is a good thing we aren't you know, relying on our slogans to pay the bills around. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? We would be in bad shape. The point is that just like adults, kids struggle with selfish desires. In other words, they want what they want when they want it. But when infants scream and cry and throw tantrums, one thing we do have to pray for is discernment. Are they throwing a fit because there's a genuine need that's not being met and they just simply lack the communication skills to rightly express that need? Or are they throwing a fit because they aren't getting their way? They're not getting Mm. what they want. In other words, there's a difference between an infant throwing a fit because he's hungry versus one who's throwing a fit because he's been told no as he was trying to grab the picture frame off the end table. One tool that is super helpful for older infants and even toddlers who aren't verbal yet is to teach them to sign simple words they aren't able to say, such as please, more, all done, and no thanks. It's amazing how quickly they can learn to sign simple words when we teach them how to do it. This helps them to start learning to communicate their needs and wants before they can actually talk. Right. And we talked a lot about how to teach kids to communicate with self-control in episode 25, and that's called Teaching Toddlers to Communicate with Self-Control. So it might be helpful for our listeners to go back and listen to that if you are having that particular struggle. Ginger, obviously we want to meet the genuine needs of our infants even before they learn to communicate, but what about those times when they are throwing a tantrum just because they aren't getting their way? What do we do and how do we respond when their vocabulary is non-existent? Well, what we don't want to do is give them their way because that will only encourage more tantrums. Even before they can speak, we want them to understand that God has placed their parents as the authority over them and that they are to obey that authority. Children obeying the authority of their parents is part of God's perfect plan for their lives. So the sooner they understand that you're the boss and they're not, the better. So how do we respond to infant tantrums? First, don't give them an audience. If they get a response, even if it's just getting attention, then that makes tantrum throwing all the more appealing to them. When infants don't benefit from tantrums, they learn that tantrums aren't beneficial. Let's say that Susie falls out on the floor screaming and crying because you told her no when she was trying to grab the frame from the end table. I encourage you to pick her up, take her to her room, and put her in her bed or her playpen and simply say no. You need to obey and then walk out of the room and leave it to her and be prepared because more than likely she's going to take that tantrum up an octave, but just wait until she finishes to go back into the room. Don't give her an audience. And then once she's gotten it all out of her system and calmed down, be sure to go back in and love on her and pick her up and snuggle and gently say, you need to obey. And keep the wording simple uh, for infants, just a few words so that they begin to relate the word obey to submitting to your authority. Infants learn the meaning of words when they hear them repetitively spoken in the context of the moment. And if you're torn about how young is too young to start teaching them obedience, I have great news. 
You don't have to fret over that decision. Your children are actually the ones to determine that. They're old enough to understand the word no when they're old enough to do something that requires you to tell them no. And they're old enough to learn to obey when they start disobeying. Another benefit to putting them in their playpen or bed when they're throwing tantrums is that it keeps the situation from escalating into a power struggle. Children, like adults, don't respond well when they're angry. Children who are angry to the point that they're throwing a fit because they weren't allowed to grab the picture frame from the end table will more than likely, in their anger, try to grab it again. At that point, it's not even about wanting the picture frame anymore. It's about winning the battle of who's in charge. It's Mm. about defying parental authority. So I encourage you in those moments to be wiser than your kids and avoid being pulled into those power struggles. Being assertive with correction while at the same time being gentle and kind teaches our children early on that God equates discipline with love, which gives them a healthy understanding of parental authority. So the sooner they grasp that, the better. I love that, Ginger. And before we close, I do want to have you address one last thing because it's a pretty common modern struggle we're having. Many parents, in an effort to avoid a total meltdown with their kids, will resort to distraction. Now, in some cases, I think this is helpful and even warranted. So sitting down to read a book or having a snack can be a great way to interrupt a tantrum or to head it off before it even begins. But What about that parent who hands their child a phone or a tablet or turns on the TV to avoid a scene out in public or a meltdown at home? Is it better to just let the child go ahead and have a tantrum rather than give in to the temptation of technology in those instances? Well, infants and technology is a whole other topic. Uh, The less technology, the better. If you guys missed the episode we did on parenting in the digital age, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that. Studies now show that uh, the damage that technology can do to their developing brains and how it affects their attention span. Mm. I was so grateful for all the research Katie did for those episodes. She put a lot of effort into really researching all of that and and giving some great information in those episodes. And it was very eye-opening. So if you guys missed that, um, I very much encourage you to go back and listen. That was episodes 29 and 30. Uh, So Katie, as far as heading off a tantrum before it begins, if you see it's brewing, uh, by reading them a book or offering a snack is a great idea because that's actually encouraging them to not indulge in defiant behavior. Mm. But I would caution against offering those things if they're already throwing a tantrum, if they've already chosen to be defiant. Mm. Snacks and reading time with mom, those are both treats. If every time they throw a tantrum, they get those treats, it's not going to take long before they learn, if I throw a tantrum, I get a treat. Mm. When a child chooses to defy parental authority, there should be a consequence, not a treat. That makes good sense. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Christy in Kentucky. And she says this, years ago, a mentor of mine said to prepare for the next morning at night. Since my husband and I like to drink coffee first thing in the morning, I started small by simply setting up the coffee maker before going to bed. Over the years, I've added things like prepping meals, washing any remaining dishes, that's the hard one, and generally cleaning up and putting things away. I don't accomplish all these things every night, but this daily habit has helped make mornings simpler and more stress-free, while also allowing more time in God's Word and drinking coffee before the kids wake up. (laughs) That's great. Those are really wise words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And honestly, before church on Sundays, I have found that if we prepare outfits the night before, their church bath put it by the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not late. Yeah. <laughs> we used really to do that helpful. too. Yep. I'm yeah. all about prepping ahead of time for things like that. It really makes a huge difference. It really does. 
If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Ginger, before you leave us with a final word of encouragement, I just wanted to remind our listeners about two really exciting homeschooling events that you and I will both be at in May. We'll be at Teach Them Diligently, May 5th through 7th in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. That is one of my favorite events mm-hmm. of the year. It's and good. And TTD, as we call them, has generously offered a discount code to our listeners. So just go to teachthemdiligently.net and use the code GINGER to receive a $30 discount on your ticket price. Also, GINGER and I will be in Florida for FPEA, and that event is May 26th through the 28th in Orlando, Florida. I'm sure that will be a terrible, terrible time for all of us, and I'm super bummed about it. (laughs) Orlando. Who wants to go to Orlando? Well, actually, Katie, you said you weren't that fond of all those Disney parks. It's Disney that I'm not a fan of. I love Orlando. Well, we need to go to Universal Studios. That's actually my favorite. I'm all over that. That sounds fun. We'll do it. Both Ginger and I will be speaking at that event and we'll also be recording a Q&A episode of our podcast in front of a live audience. We're really excited about that and we very much hope to see you there. Okay, Ginger, can you please leave us with a final word of encouragement? Defiance in children is to be expected. It's part of the ongoing battle we all have with our sin nature. God has placed parents as the authority over their children to teach them about the value of living self-controlled lives and the blessings of obeying their parents. Kids who are taught to obey and have self-control, they're happier kids. They actually enjoy life more. When it comes to training and instructing and disciplining, let's keep in mind that the best thing is often the hardest thing. So I'm going to leave you guys with a verse that you've heard us quote many times on this show. It's Hebrews 12, 11, which says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you listeners for submitting questions and for joining us today. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, we would love it if you would leave us a rating or a review. This is an excellent way to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode, and that includes the conferences we will be at in May of this year. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Ginger also offers a free discussion guide for this book on her website, which is great for book clubs and small group studies. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. Ginger and I would love to lead a women's event at your church. We offer a one or a two-day conference. If your church might be interested in hosting our women's conference or bringing in Ginger for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.